You're listening to Once, episode 320, One Little Tear. Welcome back to Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron. And as you may have already noticed when you didn't hear his voice at the beginning of the episode, Daniel is unable to join us tonight, but would appreciate your prayers. So tonight we're going to be discussing the latest episode of Once Upon a Time in Seattle. Right. One little tear. <laughs> and it was in Seattle. Daniel had hypothesized that it might not be in Seattle this episode. He hypothesized that it might not be? He thought that we weren't going to see Seattle at all in this episode. He thought we might be in San Diego, but maybe that'll be next week. Right. I was thinking... Or sorry, San Francisco? Yes, San Francisco. Oops. Yeah. (laughs) What were you thinking? I was thinking that we were, this episode, possibly we were not going to see Hyperion Heights at all. But I, I still think that might happen next week. It could happen next week, but then that's leaving us with quite a cliffhanger for the winter hiatus. If we don't see Hyperion Heights at all. Yeah, I think if they do it, if they do a like a San Francisco centric episode next week, or a, maybe I should say a Henry, Ronnie, mother son road trip episode next week, it um, they would probably intersperse it or at least end with Hyperion Heights. It's interesting because I'm pretty sure the second last episode of season one ended with Henry eating the poison apple tart thing and passing out much like this is the second last episode of this half of the season ending with Lucy passing out, which I don't really understand because she wasn't poisoned and all they did was steal her belief. In theory, she should still be able to be alive. (laughs) Right, right. So it's odd because I feel very happy that this story is so much more compelling than I expected for the spinoff season. <laughs> However, I I can't decide if I have loosened up because it's a new story or if they are getting better at sidestepping the fact that they haven't sort of woven some of the magical elements together very well. Yeah, at one point I had thought, well, I wish that Jafar from Once Wonderland knew it was this easy to wake the dead. (laughs) Well, she was only mostly dead still. Yeah, she was only partly dead. And then that's what I remembered on the rewatch. I caught a lot of things on the rewatch for this episode. So, Yes. And of course, for those who might be newer listening, we're doing sort of a theme-based discussion. So we're going to jump all over the place and just kind of follow the threads of thought. Threads of thought. I think uh, I think I might trademark that. <laughs> but a good place to start for this episode would be the past, since there's kind of only one theme in the past, being the story that we saw, the Rapunzel storyline. Yeah, this, this is all about Rapunzel. <laughs> all about Rapunzel. Slash Victoria, slash the fugitive, slash... The free woman who needs a manicure. <laughs> she does need a manicure. I totally noticed that when they zoomed in on her. 
Really? On her hand. Yes. <laughs> I was busy looking at like the scars on her wrist, but yeah, okay. Maybe the No, no. no. <laughs> like it in the in the very end of the episode, they zoomed oh. in on her hand like with the teardrop and I was like, she's got oh. chipped nails, yo. Like That's awesome. <laughs> what's up with that? Wow. They picked that to be consistent about. <laughs> like, look, she said she needs a manicure. We better give her chipped nails. She just got out of prison. I like how woven the storyline is like it works really well them showing this this particular part of the rapunzel background because it gave us information about the guardian and it gave us information about lady gothel or mother gothel or that girl that girl eloise gardner (laughs) the woman formerly known as the bat in the belfry (laughs) did it to you like it seemed like it answered a lot of the questions that we had like what happened to anastasia how did drizella become this bitter mm-hmm. like it tied up everything i think yeah and like you said i got a lot more on the rewatch uh, there was way more packed in there than i even realized the first time especially because i was trying to think about it critically and i was picking up on things that were not they were there but they hadn't sunk in yet even her comment, it's rare to find a flower that grows against the weeds of human nature, hmm. is very like foreshadowing of the end and what we discovered in the end mm-hmm. of this storyline, that she was actually looking for a hero pure of heart, the guardian. Right. Now, I have one little quibble, as I often do. I'm going to get it out of the way right now. Blood magic? No, surprisingly. Uh, however, I do feel that that blood magic must have been blank template blood magic because she had designed it presumably to trap somebody of Rapunzel's bloodline, but then she herself was trapped in there and later had to leave a child from her bloodline there to get out. So it's like she put blood magic on it, but because she got put in the tower the blood magic adapted to her blood? Maybe the blood magic was in the little vines that wrapped around your wrist, and that's how they got the blood for the blood magic. And so they didn't actually have the blood magic until the little vines got her. I actually kind of like that idea, even though the vines were kind of skin-rippy even before there was blood magic involved. Right. Which I didn't catch that the first time. Maybe I was cooking dinner or something but I, <laughs> but uh, she still victoria still has the scars but does gothel also have the scars well she wears a lot of robes so i'm True. going to say no <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's just so much to the story i loved i loved it except for my quibble my real quibble was that i think they could have used the same actress who is playing victoria now to play Rapunzel slash young Victoria. I think they could have. And I think that that would help out one of my quibbles from the end of the episode where Anastasia just knew that that was her mother, even though she looks nothing Mm -hmm. like the Rapunzel actress. Yeah. And I, I guess it's partially because it's not like she's ancient (laughs) and, (laughs) and they've had, Lana Perea, for example, play a very young, like 16-year-old Regina. And it worked. So I don't know, maybe they just for one reason or another thought that it wouldn't work. But I almost feel like they cast a young Rapunzel simply because they wanted to 
keep us from knowing. Like I, we've seen Rapunzel, or at least Gothel pretending to be Rapunzel in the past, and if if she had aged like a normal person, you know what I mean? <laughs> like like if we were literally just seeing someone, uh, like two or three decades ago we would figure it out most likely. It's very rare for someone to change so much that we just wouldn't recognize them. So they kind of kept the secret through casting more than through anything else. Yeah, I just think, I mean, I've had quibbles with when they decide to use the young actors and when they decide not to. It just, it it doesn't always seem consistent to me. Right. And they've even had Emma, who's likely the same age as Ella, like Emma, when she when we know her as a grown up as Jennifer Morrison, she's the same age as uh, Jacinda, and we've seen her play, you know, herself at seventeen. So there just doesn't seem to be a reason why they needed to to recast right her. Aside from that, I do think the story is very clever, and even the order that they're telling it in, kind of seeing the wrecked tower first one week. And then kind of going back and getting a little more history of what's happened in the tower. They're kind of telling the story in reverse order. And there's still even more to Rapunzel that we don't know because Victoria speaks very familiarly. And I, I, we can kind of get to that later. But with Rumpelstiltskin, like she knows so much from multiple realms. Yeah, she did know a lot about him. I felt like this, the backstory gave us that, you know, that like, sympathetic side that we then get for the villain like oh this is what she went through of course of course she's going to feel this way and want to like take her revenge or get her daughter back or whatever and there's that and that's there for her and also she didn't really have it like I'm, I'm talking prior to Anastasia's death She didn't really have it that bad. Like, I get that she wasn't getting to be with her husband, but she was still with her children. And kids at that age, like Drizella's age, sometimes don't like their parents anyway, regardless of what the circumstances are. So I just feel like she was really not justified in poisoning Cecilia to get her away. And by all accounts, it seemed like Cecilia was very loving and welcoming and like like took took her in when she did come back took Rapunzel in and welcomed her as kind of part of the family and just that that part it's kind of like really like that's what made you turn is you poisoned her because your daughter liked her better than you yeah she just got mad it's kind of Drizella's fault yeah said tween being a tween yeah I mean clearly there was something wrong in Rapunzel like I don't know. I uh, I have conflict over Rapunzel's character, really, because she's, she's, like, so good. And then she gets angry over a daughter that never really knew her, and she goes all dark. Yeah. Well, and she, I think, I would guess that Drizella was around four when she disappeared, just based on her comment in present day. Rumpelstiltskin said, did you enjoy your conversation with your daughter? And she goes, not since she was about four. So that's good. I was just thinking of that. Um, And then (laughs) it seemed so over snarky before, (laughs) but now I understand. (laughs) Good. And then she was gone for six years. So that's a long time. Like when you're four, you're not going to remember your mom at all. So of course she's going to like 
she's going to want to be more with the mom that has raised her, Cecilia. The weird thing is it kind of makes Drizella, like what we've seen of the story makes Drizella seem a little more like a psychopath because <laughs> she shut her mother out. She's That's like, true. <laughs> like Anastasia's like, oh, it, it's okay that you're out of tea. We're here for your company. And Drizella's like, no, nah, but really the tea. <laughs> I wanted tea. <laughs> well, and she also seemed, Drizella also seemed very close to Ella. It's very yeah. confusing that they both have Ella in their name. Drizella. It is. Because that's a, Ella is a way better nickname for Drizella than Drizzy. Which, <laughs> by the way, they said Drizzy in the episode. Have they said that before? I don't think so. If you've seen it before, it's probably because that's how I write. I write everybody's right. name in short form <laughs> with an I at the end. Yeah, I knew you had called her Drizzy, but yep. <laughs> I, they said it in the show. It was great. I also call Regina Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot I, I used to. That's funny. <laughs> Reggie. And now she's Ronnie, sort of. Yeah. I think the lanterns, going back a bit, the lanterns that they were releasing, I think that's from Tangled, the movie, the Disney I movie. was trying to remember. I've only seen that once. and It was a long time ago. But I, did, I do think that was in that movie. And I think the sun, like it had something to do with like the sun that was on the side of the lanterns was her parents' kingdom's like logo or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) From their branding program. Yes. (laughs) I do like that they, so they they did like deviate from Tangled a bit or a lot. A Um, lot. (laughs) And she, but I'm just talking about even like the escape from the tower So she escaped kind of in the traditional way using her hair, but I like that she escaped herself using her hair because the show always seems to have retellings of fairy tales that kind of make the women less helpless and having to be saved by the prince. So I think the original Rapunzel was that she threw her hair down for the prince to climb up and save her somehow. Yeah, because... I mean, I guess what this has in common with the fairy tale is absolutely no explanation for the length of her hair. Well, I think that if Daniel were here, he would have counted the tick marks and told us how long she had been in prison. (laughs) But they said it was six years, so I didn't feel necessary to count the tick marks. Yeah. So maybe just because it's magic. Well, but that tower was more... Doesn't hair grow at like an inch a month? Yeah, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, yeah. So she would have <laughs> maybe six feet of hair. If it was a six foot drop, that girl should have been out of that tower a long time ago. But I mean, Gothel makes things grow. And I think ultimately Gothel wanted her out of the tower. Ew. So maybe it was magic. And she had no one to talk to. So she mercifully didn't have a line where she just went... Hmm, it's a good thing my hair has grown freakishly fast because now I can climb down. Never thought of it till I saw the lanterns, but you know. I mean, I'll bet she could have been out a year ago. At cause, least. Because that yeah. was just like another foot. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I'm wondering if there will be, because there are still some missing pieces, we still don't know how the tower was destroyed, although that was more during Alice's stay in the tower. So I don't right. know. We we might not get any more. I don't know if we need any more Rapunzel backstory, but there might be something there. 
Well, maybe just her not getting enough hugs as a child. And then not <laughs> Rapunzel giving, or Drizella? <laughs> not giving Drizella enough hugs oh, as gotcha. a child. <laughs> right. It's hard to hug somebody from miles away. That's true. I think she wanted to hug Drizella. That's the weird thing. Like in that moment? I think just in general, she was trying. She gave her a birthday present. She was there for her birthday party. And Drizella was just like, no. Well, and the only time Drizella went anywhere near her was when Anastasia was drowning. Right. And P.S., first mm-hmm. of all, <laughs> no offense, Anastasia. If your sister's walking out on the ice and you see that it's breaking, maybe don't join her because that just adds weight to the ice. <laughs> Use your voice. <laughs> and then second of all, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that any father would have jumped back in to go look for the other daughter, even if it meant dying himself. Right. He's just sitting there sort of seriously relieved, like, I can only grab one. You need to calm down. Like... <laughs> I was like, that is the worst, <laughs> the worst ever. I don't even know. That's yeah. the worst explanation ever of, well, I mean, it makes sense now why she resents Ella, but. Right. However, <laughs> as I predicted, the after what I did line was way overwritten. That's true. Especially considering she wasn't like five years old when that happened. She was a teenager who would have had the ability to comprehend that it was an accident. Right. They, you know, the way they set that up, you think that somehow Cinderella made some terrible mistake. And all she did was go try to save a hat. It wasn't even her idea to go out on the ice. It's not even like she coaxed them out onto the ice. And by the way, why does this scene on the ice seem so familiar to me? A lot of things from this episode reminded me of Frozen, to be totally honest. There was Frozen. The garden, I'm pretty sure, was supposed to make us think of Into the Woods. Which I haven't seen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Lady Gothel was just representing the witch, which that's her only name in Into the Woods. And there's there's a whole thing about a garden and stealing from her garden. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not super familiar with it, but yeah. That is Disney though, right? Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Question mark. They made, I believe they were the ones who made it into a movie. But it, the movie was very, very faithful to the play itself, as I understand it. I wasn't a huge fan, to be honest. But that scene was definitely, the the witch goes on and on about her garden. Okay. And stealing from it is cause for some sort of spell, curse, whatever. I just, I thought of Frozen because they're playing with a snowman. Mm-hmm. It's wintertime. And also because then when Anastasia died, they like rushed her to the garden. It just reminded oh, me of rushing her to the trolls. The only other movie I can think of that has a scene where anybody falls in the ice I think is Little Women. Okay, that's the conclusion I had been coming to. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, so that's got to be it. Doesn't like Amy fall in the ice or something? And then her sister saves her? I don't know. Yeah, but it it was very similar, including, if I remember correctly, the inexplicable, like quiet of it. Maybe she was calling after her, I'm not sure. But (laughs) but in this, it was almost like they didn't want to interrupt mommy and daddy's tender moment or something like why are you being so quiet 
yell. There's danger. Yeah, exactly. Somebody is saying Rapunzel was into the woods. I don't know if they mean the actress was in Into the Woods as the Baker's sister. Someone in chat is saying. I don't remember that enough. Or just Rapunzel the character. Oh, the the character character Rapunzel was in Into the Woods. That is probably accurate. (laughs) I just can't remember which part. Yeah, I think I watched like five minutes of that and turned it off. So It's a very strange mashup of. (laughs) Fairy tales. And when they rushed Anastasia to the garden, or when Rapunzel rushed her to the garden, it kind of showed us Gothel's cards as well. She's also looking for the guardian for some reason, because she's saying that she has long sought after a pure of heart, a hero pure of heart, the guardian. Right. incorruptible by evil. So is she trying to create a guardian, find a guardian, or... Pass the torch of guardian. She said sought after. So seeking. So finding. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not that we can necessarily take every word in this show as literal. (laughs) Right. It's lousy with weapons. What? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you would get that. (laughs) Is that the line that started our whole long exploration of the word lousy back in the day okay (laughs) if once upon a time has taught me nothing else it's the original use of the word lousy (laughs) so what's she looking for a guardian for maybe to just take her general evilness away from her yeah like is she the dark one of this world is that a thing it almost feels like that it's very confusing I'm trying to figure out what the end game was if she was putting Anastasia in the tower, but lifeless. Yeah, that's something I didn't really think of. Because she said, maybe someone else in your bloodline. Like, does it have to be someone else in her bloodline? Is she referring to Anastasia being pure of heart? But she hasn't been tempted yet. I think she was, but I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, laying there just preserved. I don't know what what purpose that would serve. So here's the thing. If you're incorruptible by evil, evil has had to have tried to corrupt you. Like there has to be temptation for you to be pure. Yes. That's what she was saying. She said Mm. somebody that couldn't resist the temptation to harm an innocent. Or at least that's her basic test to find a true once upon a time superlative. So that to me means that Anastasia cannot be the guardian and neither can Lucy. Which is, like, as we ended this episode, that's what I was left with. I was left with, so is Lucy the Guardian? Or is Anastasia the Guardian? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I think that, no, that's a good point. Because I was thinking, oh, maybe that means that Anastasia is the Guardian. But. Or does she just have the greatest potential for not? Harming an oh, innocent. goodness sake. <laughs> right. She has the lowest potential for darkness. Blood magic. <laughs> Squid ink. Oh, my goodness. I knew it. Oh. <laughs> uh, so. But you know who doesn't have the greatest potential for darkness and does have the greatest potential for awesome? 
our wonderful heroes. <laughs> this podcast is supported by our wonderful heroes. And for this episode, we'd like to thank Lisa Slack, Lisa R., Heather Peckfelder, Jill Sherrod, and our 22 heroes on Patreon. We couldn't host this podcast without your help. So thank you very much. And if you'd like to become a hero to our podcast, please visit oncepodcast.com forward slash hero. And we promise there will be no temptation for darkness. We do promise that we will not put any there. (laughs) Now, if some villain wanders to our hero page and kind of gets in your way, you know, I'm, I'm just saying we're not responsible for that. But if you make it all the way through and become a hero, then you pass the test. And please don't lose your belief because no heroes always find a way. Right. Lucy really disappointed me in this episode. <gasps> Lucy disappointed? That's mean. Come on. <laughs> she was being hardcore manipulated by an evil grandmother. Who she knows is an evil grandmother. <laughs> true but so this was uh, oh this was super clever she gave her (laughs) enough of the truth to get her on the line and then turned it so it wasn't about keeping lucy from believing in the truth it was about causing her to lose faith and lose her belief in happy endings to lose hope Do you know what I thought might have happened at the end? And I was a little bit disappointed that it didn't. I thought that we were going to have that whole montage scene where it's like Lucy crying and then her putting the tear on Anastasia's forehead. And then what I thought was going to happen was nothing because I thought Lucy didn't really leave, (laughs) lose her belief. Lucy is better than that. She didn't fall for this. She's the daughter of the heart of the truest believer. Come on. (laughs) Well, it's almost one of those things. It's like the the connection between waking Anastasia and loss of belief is shaky at best because they haven't really established <laughs> it in a way that makes sense. It, it doesn't, unlike True Love's Kiss, it's not rooted in a multitude of stories. So it's a little weird anyway. Then the loss of belief seems to have been able to be captured in one, may I add, very voluminous tear. <laughs> I mean, that eyedropper just was just happened. pulling up all kinds of water. I don't think that all came out of Lucy's eye, but that's okay. <laughs> Got the the point across. <laughs> Maybe the book multiplied it, but I don't know why. I, You could almost say that it's like it was a tear shed in a moment of a loss of belief. Had Lucy been able to remain conscious, she might have snapped out of it. Yes. I was thinking she was going to go back home and be like, I saw you kissing him and he's not my father and or whatever. And then Jacinda was going to have a chance to explain like, no, but then I saw the mixed tape and (laughs) everything's better again. And I love Henry. And then who knows? Like maybe Lucy just had to momentarily lose consciousness because she's overwhelmed because there's no reason that I can think of that Lucy has to die or be put in a coma. Right. Unless it's, it's just a life for a life. Based on our expertise of once upon a time magical principles, would you concur that this was an exchange? 
Oh. Of a, an exchange of states. Right. So Anastasia and wakes even... up and, and now Lucy is in a coma with her last breath. I guess so. Because even Gothel did say something about, did you ask the cost of what Victoria is trying to do? Right. She said that to Rumpelstiltskin. I do. I love how complicated the character interactions are. It's like Gothel's helping Rumple, but kind of probably because she just, for some reason, doesn't want Victoria to succeed. But it also feels a little bit like genuine help. And yet Victoria believes that Rumple would fear Gothel being on the loose. And they all know all kinds of stuff about each other. Well, but they're both looking for the Guardian, right? That is true. There were some things in this episode that I, like I said, I didn't pick up until second watch. Mm-hmm. So for instance, one of those things is when Hook was interviewing Sabine about the dagger, Sabine said that Detective Weaver kept shoving it in her hand, asking her if she felt anything. <laughs> Which I love that they just decided to just sort of tell us about that second hand instead of... <laughs> But I was like, I totally missed that on the first watch. And then I was like, why? Why would he be doing that? Is he doing that because the guardian would somehow sense the magic of the dagger? And so he's trying to figure out who the guardian is by like handing it around to people. Like I have no context for where that comment came from or what it might mean. The other thing I love about that is that I don't care how old these people are supposed to be or how much magical experience they have. They too often make these characters just instantly understand a new concept, like what the Guardian exact, how that whole thing will look, how it will go down. I think it's great for him to just go shove the dagger in people's hands. Like, maybe this (laughs) is how it works. It's all I've got to go on. So I'm going to make people hold the dagger and see if they just somehow become imbued with its guardianship or at least feel something to the point where he gets an idea who the guardian is. He doesn't really know what he's doing. That's what I love, I think. (laughs) But wait, maybe that's okay. I just thought of this while you're talking, but maybe, okay. So instead of listening, well, I was listening and thinking (laughs) at the same time, I think I sent you guys a message saying I get, I get my best series while I'm listening to our podcast after we've recorded it. Um, True. <laughs> if the guardian is this person who does not give in to the temptation to harm an innocent and is, quote, incorruptible by evil, that is probably why they can get rid of the curse of the dark one, because they could probably take the dark one curse, but they're incorruptible by evil. So the evil can't corrupt them. And so they can be alive with the darkness in them uncorrupted. I just said corrupted a lot in one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was warranted. (laughs) Yeah, it it does make sense as to why they're looking for all these superlatives again. (laughs) Purest of heart, whatever. (laughs) They never find it. That's the interesting thing is that they never find someone who's all one thing. Maybe that's the message of the show. We are both. If they wanted it to be, they should stay away from some of the mechanics, but they might be correcting that this year. Maybe. Maybe. I did like the comment that the dagger looked like something out of a Tim Burton movie. I know. The pop 
culture references. It's like they've been bottling it up for six years because it wouldn't make sense for the characters they were writing for to make them. And now they're just like, all right, we've got like five references to make each episode at least. Yep. Orange is the New Black, TED Talk, and Tim Burton. (laughs) I love it. I loved that. I didn't ask for a TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) So Anastasia's awake. Is she awake awake? She has no reason to have a second identity, right? And almost everyone in town's awake anyway. So she knows who her mother is. She was kind of mostly dead. So she probably doesn't have a set of twisted memories, I'm assuming. So is this going to like, is this realm going to freak her out? Maybe she does have twisted memories. And that's how she knew that Victoria was her mother, even though she looks like 20 years older and right, not the same person at all. See, I assume, yeah, and that's where I assume that we're just supposed to not think about that. But but they did, like, yeah, the woman playing Rapunzel, like young Rapunzel, just unlike some of their other casting decisions, she's great, but she doesn't look anything like who we know as Victoria. <laughs> yeah. To me, maybe I'm missing something. But it also makes Victoria's haircut kind of fun, because it's just, <laughs> it's a little on the shorter side, which is classic rapunzel cut her hair (laughs) well and that but that was very tangled and that's very much how a lot of the feedback came in that she was rapunzel in the first place was because of how she was having her hair yeah so i wonder like there could be more to that backstory i guess it does seem like the family possesses magic yes so maybe her hair is magic and somehow she passed that on to drizzy and anna (laughs) <laughs> or Anna, did you notice that they said Anastasia's name really like inconsistently and kind of stupid throughout the episode? Yeah, okay. I thought about asking you if Victoria has ever said Anastasia before. Anastasia? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like she's talked about her a lot, but I don't, I'd have to go back now because it stood out to me and I just don't remember her saying it that way in any other episode. I honestly... <laughs> oh dear <laughs> I do not recall if she's even said Anastasia <laughs> like I know Drizella has said it and she said it pretty consistently but then even Rumple, I thought switched back and forth like is it Anastasia or Anastasia and is it Anastasia or Anastasia <laughs> like I get that accents make you pronounce things differently but yeah. i pretty much say Anastasia every time I say Anastasia, unless I'm impersonating somebody else. Right. Yeah. With our, uh, we'll say accent, it's Anastasia. Okay. Good. (laughs) That's how um, Drizzy says it, yeah? Anastasia. Yeah. She might say Anastasia, but I think she just says Anastasia the same as us. Which is great because she's actually Australian. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) So here's something I noticed. I don't believe Cecilia had an accent. Marcus did not have an accent. So how does Ella have an accent? That's super funny. (laughs) Because she has a very, like, beautiful, but very Very thick thick accent. accent. And I believe she had it in the past, too. I've never noticed her not having it. No, she definitely did. And she didn't say enough as a child in this episode. I guess they could have, originally she could have been raised in a different part of the world, a different part of the new Enchanted Forest. Right. That kind of (laughs) continuity stuff drives me nuts. 
But just random fact for all of you listeners, if you move to a new country before you are, I think it's 13 or 12, you will lose your accent from your other country. And if you move after you're 13, you uh, keep your accent. So (laughs) that could be an explanation. I don't know if there is an explanation. (laughs) I think there's just some things that we're not supposed to think about. I know. And somehow they've got me often not thinking about those things this year. (laughs) That's probably because the story is so good. Yeah, nitpicking snowballs. So when I have less to nitpick about, maybe I'm just less nitpicky overall. Maybe. To nitpick in a good way, did Lucy, when she walked past the dresses in the window, was that like was that her mother's dress? I did not know. I noticed that scene, but I didn't know what they were trying to do with it. Something very poetic about it. <laughs> Dejected Lucy walking past princess dresses that may have actually come over in the curse (laughs) (laughs) at night on a dark cold city street i don't know man like i said i'm a little disappointed with lucy tonight she's no henry oh that's rough henry literally ate a poisoned thing that he knew would put him in a curse because he believed so strongly true Lucy faced one adverse situation with somebody who she believes to be evil. (laughs) And she cried a really big tear about her mom kissing another guy and then ran away. (laughs) And dot, dot, dot. We don't know. So rough. I know. (laughs) You know what? She is not my favorite character. So. Oh. Oh, oh, and I mean the actress is doing a phenomenal job. I'm not. I'm not like dissing a kid actor. I just. I just. <laughs> I don't know. Like Lucy herself is annoying in a way that just like puts Henry to shame. <laughs> wow! Like if they were competing for being annoying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that okay? Well. You can tweet. Uh, you can tweet about that to Aaron J. Cruz. <laughs> yes, yeah, send hate to my Twitter. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's funny, but it was. I mean, her collapse was very reminiscent of the Apple turnover. But you're right; it was <laughs> not quite as sacrificial. I I think it would be kind of amazing if Jacinda kissed her on the forehead and she woke up and Anastasia went back to sleep and then Victoria kissed Anastasia and she woke up and Lucy fell asleep and they're both just getting chapped lips and saying this is ridiculous and they have no idea what's going on, especially Jacinda. Except they're not in like a sleeping curse, they're in like a dead curse, maybe. (laughs) Dead curse. They're in a mostly dead belief transference curse. But so here's something. If that's Anastasia's last breath, then how is she breathing again? Please just say it a different way every time you talk about her. I plan to. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. That's where it starts to break down. It's like, I think this was all sort of based on how pure Anastasia's heart was. And so maybe the lost belief went into the tear, which considering her heart wasn't really at stake, I don't understand at all. 
Maybe it was just an innocent. I just keep coming back to it. I just don't understand. <laughs> like, why did it no longer require Lucy's heart? Did they start out that way and then realize, wow, you guys, we can't do that on TV? Yeah. Have they ever taken a kid's <laughs> heart out before? They have, as I recall. But they put it back in? Yes. Wasn't there um, like a kind of disturbing scene with there, Bailey Madison getting her heart ripped out? That's so funny. I can't remember. But it was like a hallucination. Like it didn't actually happen. It was just like Regina. Or are you making up head fan fiction right now? I might be. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, Violet. Yeah. Violet's heart got taken. Thank oh, you, chat room. That's right. And they didn't show it to us. We just all went, wow, that's dark. Did they show it? Oh, Bailey Madison got choked. Okay. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not just what making that up. have we been putting up? up with all these years? No, there, there was like a scene where Regina, <laughs> Regina was like picturing what she was going to do to Snow White, but then didn't actually do it. Oh, that's, that's what I was thinking right. of. But yes, Violet's that's heart did right. get taken. And they did show it. That's hmm. I, there are things that I guess I uh, I put out of my brain. But yeah, it's almost like they were going. They start out the season thinking they need to take Lucy's heart, and then they just decided, eh, maybe let's not do that. Especially since it would just be a matter of either a the heart's protected, or b there's no story there. You just grab the heart, and logically. If you get Lucy to give up her belief and then take her heart, how does that help Anastasia? So, yeah, maybe they just figured out there were some problems and they pivoted. <laughs> Technically, did it not start out with them needing to take Henry's heart? <laughs> right. So couldn't they have taken Henry's things, belief? I didn't think things had gotten this murky, but now I'm starting to see that they kind of <laughs> did. We're only nine episodes in, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And next week is episode 10, and it's the last episode of Once Upon a Time before the winter hiatus of, I believe, unknown duration. Probably yes. coming back in March. Yeah. Generally, it comes back like the third ish week of March, I want to say. Maybe the fourth, the last week of March. Yeah. That's a Which long time if this, if we don't have some more answers. Right. Like, that's a long time for. Lucy to be in a sleeping curse. If or a that's what that dead is. curse. <laughs> Ooh, this could be really awful. What if uh what if she seems to be dead and so they pronounce her dead and then they have like a funeral? Yeah, that would be awful. It would be very awful. And Henry's off in San Francisco. Well, they've got cell phones now, so Well, I say that like they think Henry's her father and they don't. But <laughs> potentially they could like spend most of the next episode in San Francisco with Ronnie and Henry and then have it almost ending with like him getting a text being like, oh, my goodness, Lucy's in a coma or like Lucy died or whatever they think is going to happen. And that could be the end. Right. And you know what? I wouldn't appreciate them leaving us on a cliffhanger like that substantial. Oh, gee, like uh, like uh, the first season winter finale. <laughs> The first, but it wasn't wasn't it on a different schedule then? It wasn't as I, long of a break. No, you're right. It was six weeks, but still, that was when Graham died. <laughs> oh, was it? Yes. I don't even. Graham died, and that's it for six weeks. Well, if I can tell you, 
I'm, Sorry for the trigger, guys. I'm still <laughs> having like really angry thoughts towards Shonda <laughs> Rhimes for how she ended the Grey's Anatomy uh, winter finale that mm. I didn't know was the winter finale when I watched it. So uh, I nothing will surprise me at this point. I'm just so bitter about that <laughs> that like once can't even come close. Challenge accepted, says Adam and Eddie. Uh, it's gonna be hard to top graham ash 23 in the chat says making distressed noises Oh, i wasn't i wasn't listening to the podcast yet then and so i didn't even know that was the winter finale yep back in those days we were just catching up we started the podcast after a few weeks after the show started and (laughs) and i was just watching the show on sunday night by myself (laughs) (laughs) little did you know at 6 p.m local time oh wow that's early yeah we used to get it two hours before you guys (laughs) this section of the podcast is going to be called reminiscing reminiscing with aaron and jeremy yes you know who else is reminiscing (laughs) rumple and victoria rumple stiltskin except and also rogers Except Rogers doesn't know he's reminiscing, and Vic- and Rumple wouldn't admit it to a Victoria at first. I'm a little disappointed in Rumplestiltskin. My goodness, I'm just disappointed in everybody this, tonight. <laughs> this episode is the list of who Aaron is disappointed in. <laughs> well, he has had six seasons, <laughs> and I finally was like, okay, I maybe think he's a good guy. Yeah. Oh, I, I still think he is. Um, But he could have very easily somehow given Regina a hint. Him and Belfry basically had the exact same conversation that him and, him and Regina had. Except this time he was like, you've got yourself a deal. Or whatever. Yes. <laughs> that was not a reference to Rumpelstiltskin saying, e- yes. <laughs> or was it? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. My th- thinking and maybe that was part of the point of the gothel conversation is that rumple made a calculated risk and calculated incorrectly he didn't understand or maybe her point was that he was purposely not understanding what the cost of helping victoria would be well all magic comes with a price yeah yeah i don't want to think that he's doing the same thing he's always done. He's trying to be reunited with someone and he's sacrificing a young family member to do it. I think that by the end, it was pretty clear that he was actually very concerned for Lucy and... Oh, you're right. Yeah, because he was out searching for her. So maybe he figured that Victoria would have to pay the price of magic, which would make sense since she's the one that did the magic and Lucy did nothing except for cry. And give up her belief. I do like Hook's little... Well, he kind of... He he was honest with Hook. Or Rogers. He was. Like, as best as he can be without sounding totally crazy. But there again, I don't know why they keep talking about him getting back to Belle. Unless they mean giving up his immortality and dying. But didn't... Oh. I thought that he was getting back to Belle. Somehow. But she did. <laughs> yeah, but wasn't it going to, like, take him back? I don't know. Now don't, I'm like... 
think so. I forget. So something, I don't even know if I shared this in the podcast, something that happened in that episode, Beauty. That's what it was called, right? <laughs> A few episodes yes. ago? Yes. When, about Belle. Something in that episode made me think that we are going to see Rumpelstiltskin and Belle reunited at that moment when they were on the bridge and he first tried to get rid of the dagger. Like that very first time that he really, really meant it from his heart. I want to be free of this dagger. And Gideon was like 10 and he had run ahead and he dropped it in. I was like something. I can't remember now what it was in that episode that made me think that that's when he would get to have his life with Belle, like restarted when this was all said and done, which is time travel. And but wasn't their life really cool? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they do that, isn't that a chance for them to just mess it up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't. I don't know if we want that. But I don't know. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> No, yeah, I, so I don't think so. he just wants so. to I've, die with her? That's the goal? That's my thought, because at first when they said he had somebody who loves him waiting for him, I thought they meant Gideon. But then they kept saying her, and now it's very clearly Belle, but it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I don't know why they're bothering to say it that way, because I think that he really, maybe they don't want it to sound like a long quest to die, but isn't that what always ends up happening with people who have some kind of evil immortality thrust upon them in a story. That's true. A long quest to die. <laughs> it really is. He's lived, you know, way too long <laughs> to start with. And then he lived a whole nother lifetime with Belle and then had to watch her die. And but they're but not I mean, he still has Gideon. So like, I don't know. They're not going to get to grow old together. No. And so... But they've done some different things with moving on and things like that. And they might be planning something like that. Like he dies, but he, he just he moves on to a better place, if I can reference the uh, <laughs> the underworld season. Yeah, maybe. I don't I would have to rewatch. Maybe I'll rewatch the first half of this season once we're on break, but to know why I even thought that, but I don't know. He's, I guess, on the right track then. But apparently yeah, he least... can't even die in a world without magic. Right. He still wants to give up the Dark One-ness. So I think that is at least the biggest sign that he's not reverted to his old ways. Because he would never want to give that up. He kind of gloated that he couldn't be hurt by Victoria. But that's just... A means to an end. He's still looking for the Guardian. And then what about him and Gothel? They seem to have some banter, like a history of some kind. Yeah, which keeps leaving me confused as to which realm she's really from. Well, she easily went to Wonderland to get that mushroom, so... True. Maybe they've all just converged on Wonderland. Well, and we knew that he... We knew that Rumpelstiltskin had been to Wonderland like way, way back in season one. So we knew that that was an easy realm for him to get to. But why do they know so much about each other? Are, and are we going to see that story? Maybe they literally hung out in Wonderland way back <laughs> in whatever time season one was referencing. But Victoria is really convinced that he would fear her freedom. Well, Victoria was also really convinced that she was the only person <laughs> awake during the curse. 
Oh, poor Victoria. <laughs> she threw me off in this episode. I could not peg her for a lot of it. I was like, is, is this from the heart or is this fake? Because she, she's a really good actress yeah. too. Drizella got it, honestly, like through right. genetics. I really wanted, like when she was saying all the stuff about testing Jacinda and wanting to give Lucy back, I wanted to believe her, even though, even if that was true, isn't it a little controlling and messed up? <laughs> like, oh, I was just testing you. I wanted to see if you would fight for her custody, you know, your daughter. Like that, that would have, even if that was the thing she would have been, it would have been pretty messed up. But um, it's almost, you could almost say that she learned, she didn't do that really. She was just trying to get on their good side, I suppose. But uh, well, she really just wanted the doll in the apartment. And then it was her who told her to invite Mark. Mark, is that his name? No, Nick, <laughs> Nick over. I just think of him as Catherine. So <laughs> Clear-cut Catherine. Whoa. That's an expanded name. Well, she said we have a clear Catherine. Didn't she say we have a clear-cut oh, Catherine Nolan? Not clear-cut. No. Or clear. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Classic. There we go. Classic Catherine. Classic clear-cut Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that was just in trying to get some kind of footage for Lucy's disbelief trying is to that okay i did not thank you i did not track with that i meant to say that earlier like where did the creepy camera come from so i didn't get it on the first watch and then in the like video that she shows lucy there's like a little icon of the doll at the top oh and then if you rewatch the like kissing scene the doll is right there in the background sitting That's there super creepy oh yeah. and also improbable so she plants the doll. She suggests that Jacinda have him check over the paperwork. And she just assumes that they will probably stand within range of the doll's camera and kiss. Well. That's a lot. Yeah. To, <laughs> that's true. To bank on. And the timing was super tight. That all could have not happened. It's true. So I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just saying. There's, that's a little bit of a. I don't know if it's a plot hole, but it's a plot stress point. <laughs> but it makes up what it lacks in probability. It makes up for in utter creepiness right. and ingenuity. Oh, because that's still there. Villainous ingenuity. That's a character trait, apparently. But it's funny because what she was saying to Lucy was probably not disingenuous. She really does believe that she was a hero that did everything to get her family back. And she really does believe that, you know... It didn't work out for her. Yeah. <laughs> Although she left out the part about the poison mushroom. And there's no way that she that witch actually... Did. Um, well, did she? No, no, no. Like, she told Lucy, but she was like, the witch tricked me, and oh, I didn't know what true. I was doing. Like, you knew what you were doing. Yeah. And I actually, I think, unless there's an example proving me wrong, I think I believe her when she said that she couldn't hurt someone like Cecilia. How she knew that it would make her flee, I don't know, because that was never discussed. Oh, that's true. She had no idea. She could have just been poisoning her. Right. Huh. So I don't know whether I believe her or not, but I kind of do. Oh, that acting, mm. man. Yeah. She's a good actress. And then the heartbroken Drizella at the end. 
walking away. I don't know. I felt bad for her. I don't know why I feel more bad for Drizella than I do for Lady Tremaine, but I do. At least just in that moment of her seeing her sister being awake and oh, the defeat. I don't know if I feel bad for her at all. <laughs> because now we've seen this childhood that we've only been imagining and her mother tried to be there for her. Well, until this point, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I don't... That's why I feel like there might be more because they go from... She's really actually jealous of Drizella's relationship with Cecilia to, wow, how did I end up stuck with you for a daughter? Yeah. Which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I I think there's got to be something, something more. Yeah. So... Besides all of the things that happened in this episode, there's kind of, there are a lot of implications for the family tree and also a lot of effect on our perspective on things that we've seen in previous episodes, because we've already heard about Cecilia running away yes, and kind of where she ended up. The connections are super strange. They are. It's, so, it, it does remind me though of season one and two of oh of this show that we're podcasting about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Y'all thought it was going to be a charmed reference, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I already had a charmed reference. Just only charm people will know it. Um, <laughs> Ooh, sneaky! It does remind me of season one and two, where everything came back to Rumpelstiltskin eventually, right? Like everyone was somehow related to him. Yeah. What's interesting to me here is that Tremaine is Marcus's name. So she's Lady Tremaine because she was married to her husband. Right. So she she was literally, as was previously theorized, Rapunzel Tremaine. <laughs> <laughs> and she, before she was Cinderella's stepmother, Cinderella's actual mother was her children's stepmother that's true so first drizella and anastasia were the stepdaughters but with their father then by the time lady tremaine in this sense was cinderella's stepmother her father was also her stepfather so we still don't know who cinderella's biological father is and that may not be important but by the time that's what the family makeup was yeah neither of her parents were around her biological parents it's just, it's so weirdly twisted around well it is but also drizella called cecilia mother so mm. it's almost like well because she was very little i've decided four <laughs> <laughs> so that makes sense but that also means that drizella lost her mother the same way yes. that ella did Yes. So she has those mommy issues and those abandonment issues. Right. And, and if she has any idea that Ella's, well, no, it was her own mother that was, this is getting real confusing. Yeah. <laughs> so Ella doesn't have any idea necessarily. Who poisoned. Right. Huh. But she did figure out part of it by talking to Alice. You'd think that it would just be like, oh, when did she start feeling sick when she was around dad? Oh, it was right after the birthday party where you were the server of that lavender lemonade. Oh, it was probably you who poisoned her. No? 
we don't think that logically yet when we're that age. Right. <laughs> yeah. They've got some splaining to do. Yeah. Even though this explained a lot, this episode. Right. But a lot of the questions still have to do with the nature of the poison and whether that is in any way related to why Regina feels she can't let the curse be broken. And on and on it goes. Yes. And then maybe we find out more in San Francisco. Do we want to even try to think about the timeline? Mm, Nothing. (laughs) No. (laughs) And nothing in this episode really hurt the timeline for me, except for just the aging of Lady Tremaine. We know. So we saw the poisoning. Yeah. And that would be when Cecilia ran away. Yeah. And Marcus went after her for, we don't know how long. A while. But not too long, because then he came back and was reunited with Rapunzel, who has way too many names at this point. Right. Even Gothel made fun of it. (laughs) However, she's referring to herself this week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's not a mother, nor is she a nun. Right. Yeah, Gothel, too. She's got some names. We've made up half the names, to <laughs> true, be fair. True. They aren't canon, but uh, <laughs> Bat in the Belfry is still my favorite. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. So, they're saying in the chat room that Marcus was gone a year, which, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, whether that plays into things I've forgotten that were said already or future story, I'm not sure. Because Ella definitely had her version of events. And Alice had a version of events. So this concludes our discussion of this episode of Once Upon a Time, One Little Tear. If you would like to continue the discussion on this episode, please visit our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. And please share this episode by going to oncepodcast.com slash 320 and connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast or individually on Twitter. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. And I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. You can also follow Daniel on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, remember, the next time you want to tail somebody, learn how to do it better first. And thanks for listening. One's podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode. If you would like to be a hero too, please visit oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.